Welcome to Health Matters, Sonoma's weekly program devoted to health and well-being. Each week through interviews, editorials, and listener participation, we will explore topics and issues of contemporary medicine and its relationship to the lifestyles of our community. Our goal is to provide you with information and resources to help you achieve and maintain what you deserve, a happy, healthy, and productive life. I'm your host, Dr. Ned Hoke, a veteran in natural methods healthcare, speaking with you today from Sonoma Valley, California, for an hour of health topic digestion and discussion. Please stay with us. Welcome, and thanks again for joining us again this day, and what a day it is. Shiny here in Sonoma, lovely for those of you on the Internet. I hope it's, it's pleasurable for you there as it is for us here today. Today we're going to be joined by Brenda Stockdale, who is the um, Director of Mind-Body Medicine for the RC Cancer Center, whose latest research in uh, psychophysiology serves as an adjunct to medical treatment. Basically, she calls it health psychology. And she has a really, uh, as I you know, tend to know, I tend to love the books that I interview, but um, this is particularly wonderful. Um, and she'll be with us in just a few minutes. I'm going to start the program reading, actually, about hers uh, stuff, basically, and then we'll um, uh, she'll be here in about uh, five or six minutes. So the name of the book is You Can Beat the Odds, Surprising Factors uh, Behind Chronic Illness and Cancer. Discover a powerful shortcut to beating the odds when fighting for your health. With this practical guide, you will become skilled at using scientifically-based and time-tested techniques that have helped survivors for more than a decade. You will learn that there are shocking risk factors greater than smoking, diet, or cholesterol that make the difference between robust health and life-threatening disease. Even your genetic inheritance isn't as fixed as you might have imagined. If you already enjoy great health, the program can help you keep it. But if you're facing illness, you'll find groundbreaking discoveries from leading experts synthesized so you can harness all the available technologies quickly and easily. How's that for a promise? This compact guide condenses hundreds of studies so you can focus on what really works without complicating your life. As a testament to the effectiveness of these methods, even some insurers often offer discounts to trained in these techniques. See how medical professionals use the concepts in their own lives. Each simple but powerful technique puts an advantage on your side as you personalize your program with an easy Get Started Now exercises. The result is a compendium of essential information for a lifelong program of how to stay strong and healthy. So there, that's the, that's the, blip, the blip that comes. Um, and then... Here's what some others, other people have to say. Uh, the book offers readers a gentle but persuasive journey toward understanding the application of mind-body medicine. Ultimately, it represents a system, systematic lifestyle approach that complements the other primary health-deeming factors, diet and exercise. Highly recommended. Bernie Siegel, the author of Faith, Hope, and Healing and Love, Medicine and Miracles. This book, book offers the readers the chance to achieve their greatest potential. It is also a very practical resource for those who have inspiration, desire, and intention, which, with the guidance provided, can lead them to achieve what the odds seem to be denying them. 
So it goes on and on like that. Um, and it is truly a, um, uh, a compendium is a good word. It's a, it's a really ri- resource, richly packed compendium. So for our listeners who may want to uh, join in this conversation, I'm going to ask you to wait till after the half hour. But then, of course, you'd be willing to uh, we'll put, that, we'll put out the word and you can call and join us and, and talk with the author, Brenda. She has been running these programs for a number of years, and she is somebody with great experience. And we have a lot in common. We, <clears throat> the, you'll, the regular listeners know that following our program is uh, Voices with uh, Michael Lerner, and Michael Lerner is in the very similar part of what his work is at Commonweal is very similar. They have the called the Cancel Cancer Health Program. But now going on back to this particular text, a few words from Bernie Siegel who writes an introduction, or a foreword, I should say. No one lives forever, so the odds of your becoming immortal are not too good when you, whether you read this book or not. <clears throat> However, I have learned that there is a pattern of behavior which long-term survivors and those who exceed expectations display that relates to their not denying when expected, not dying when expected to. Individuals are not a st- statistic and their behavior, their desire, intention play a significant role in their ability to beat the odds. Decades ago, psychologist Bruno Kulfer was able to predict correctly from personality profiles alone in 19 out of 24 cases who would have who would have a slow-growing tumor and who would have a rapidly growing tumor. Early in this century, psychologists wrote about this because they saw the role relationships and lifestyle play in one on the onset of disease. Monday morning is a good example. Your body loves you, but you don't love your life. The physical problems and afflictions that will increase dramatically. So Monday morning, we have more suicides, strokes, heart attacks, and illnesses. Today's studies are being done about things which decades ago no one studied because they didn't believe they could play a role in survival. I was criticized greatly for asking patients about what was going on in their lives. My words were misinterpreted as blaming the patient. I was trying to determine what made the individual vulnerable at certain times. Today's studies reveal the benefits of laughter in survival of cancer patients, how loneliness affects the genes which control the immune function, how women live longer than men, married men will longer than single men in, in, in the same cancers. It is not about female hormones protecting women and men who sleep with them, but it's about the relationships and connections and their role in survival. However, I'm also trying to teach people not to live a role as I see women dying when kids leave home and men getting sick when they can't work anymore. Years ago, psychologists and Jungian therapists saw cancer as a growth gone wrong, a message to people to take a new road in their lives. Psychiatrist uh, Carl Menninger told me he was going to write a book entitled 12 Hopeless Cases, about 12 people who were alive and well after being told they were all going to die. Why did they survive because of the changes they made in their lives? He said to me after my book, Love, Medicine, and Miracles, came about, I don't have to write about it because you have. I saw this happen when when I founded ECAP in 1978 when a patient of mine said to me, I need to know how to live between office visits. To make a long story short, I noticed when you help people live, they don't they didn't die when they were supposed to. Um, they literally saved their lives by starting to live authentically based on what made them happy and not just living the way the authorities in their life imposed upon them. Mind and body 
our unit. I learned about the use of dreams and the spontaneous drawings in diagnosing and treating disease. Carl Jung interpreted a dream and correctly diagnosed a brain tumor. I have never met a medical student who had been told that. When people draw their treatment as the devil giving them poison or say they hate their doctor more than the cancer because doctors made them bald, ugly, and horrible, they have a problem with treatment and the side effects. The mind is a powerful thing and can kill or cure based on the person what, what the person believes. Words, words, words are hypnotic when they come from an authority and they can, they can become swords. When I try, what I try to do, and this book helps us understand, is to look at what our potential is and try to achieve it. What we are capable of is the question. When one is brought up with love and self-worth and self-esteem, one does not fear becoming a responsible participant in one's life rather than a submissive, suffering patient. So read on and put the information and inspiration together. The results will impress you as they did me many years ago. So there's the gift of the voice of, of, um, of um, Bernie Siegel, and uh, he writes very well about that. So while we're waiting for our guest, um, what else will I do? She should be here in just a moment. In fact, she's 20 seconds late, but we can forgive her. Let's hope she has the right phone number. Um, anyway, let's see. So here are some of the questions that might uh, might our listeners might want to uh, ch- chime in and might might feel contiguous with the contiguousness with the question. How is this book different from one about healing with through imagery? Are you talking about mind over matter? Will this help people who don't currently have a health problem? How is this different from focusing on diet and exercise? And here's our caller. Welcome to Health Matters. Thank you for joining us. Hello. Hi. How are you? You sound like you're talking on some kind of a speakerphone, maybe. I'm actually not. I'm on a landline. You are on a so landline, I'm but a lot of feedback. I'm hearing a lot of feedback. Should we should we try it again? Why don't I call you right back? I'd appreciate that. Thank you. So, let's hope that our next uh, our next line is better. So. Discover a powerful shortcut to beating the odds when fighting for your health. With this practical guide, you will become skilled at using scientifically-based techniques that have helped. And here's our caller. Welcome again to Health Matters. Hello, Dr. Hoke. I'm still hearing that echo. Oh, my goodness. Do you want to try and call me, if that possible? Unfortunately, in the studio, I don't actually have a phone that I could use, regretfully. Is there another phone close at hand at all? You know what? That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try one. I have two landlines. Okay. And so since this one isn't working, we'll go and see what we can do here. Sure, Sure, appreciate it. Okay, bye. Bye. Well... I guess this is why they have engineers. Uh, they take care of these problems. But for those of us who don't have engineers, um, we'll just go with the flow here. Um, so let's see what happens. 
And while we're waiting, I don't know if any of you saw um, Dr. Oz in Time magazine on June the 13th in 2011. Uh, let's see, he, he, Lessons from My Cancer Scare. It's a really interesting um, article. And so for those of you who are interested in cancer and the whole subject of cancer, if you missed this time uh, edition, again, this is the 11th of June on 2011, it's not only a kind of a cute story of Dr. Oz and his malingering behavior around getting himself focused in a better way to address some concerns that were realistic that he had, um, but it, it also... Uh, talks about cancer in a variety of different ways and, again, gives a lot of interesting information. I, I found it quite um, quite worthy of one's attention. So, And uh, given that there is so much of concern of that type, um, and we'd often... Um, here we go. Let's try again now. How are we doing now? Okay, we can try... What? This is stuff. It's never happened to me before. This is a regular AT&T landline. So. Regular AT&T landline. Yeah, it's not a very great commercial right now, is it? Not for AT&T. I mean, I'm, I, I don't think it's us at this end. I, 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 it, I'm. Let's see. What can we do? What can we do? Yeah, um, I just left a message on your voicemail. Right. At my, at my office, you I mean? I didn't get this echo back. You did or did not? Did not. Yeah. Oh, well, I, 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 you're well, talking I to you're, code, you're talking to the least engineery type person that exists on the planet. Well, not quite that far, but uh, <laughs> pretty, <laughs> bad, uh, pretty bad. Pretty um, bad. Well, I don't know. Let's see. What should we do? Maybe we should just sort of live with it and talk for a while, and then um, maybe just come back and uh, try to do this another time. But um, and what I do when when anything kind of catastrophic happens, what I end up doing is, if it's a book that I've got, I just basically read the book. And there's a lot to read in this book, and um, uh, and it's it's for those. But there's a couple of questions that maybe that I could ask. Uh, we, our listeners have been acquainted already with. Um, I read the introduction. I read the foreword by Bernie, and the um, I started to read some of the uh, launching the program from opt- optimal Im- immunity. Um, uh, let's see. I'm still just struggling here. Um, maybe we could just start. We'll just deal with it. it, it just it. audience. This is this is the technological age. Every so often there's a, a screw up, and we're just going to live with it for a while. We can have everybody practice some stress management. There we go. There <laughs> Myself we, included, right? There we go. Well, anyway, we're talking to uh, Brenda Stockdale, the author of You Can Beat the Odds, Surprising Factors Behind Chronic Illness and Cancer, six-week breakthrough program for optimal immunity. Now, when I first saw that cover, I... I I actually told your publicist, I said, well, I, I put the book aside a little bit because it sounded like sort of one more of those books. And so it took me a while to pick it up. And um, But what it is is not what I thought it might be, which is it's it really is an in-depth, very uh, um, in-depth is the right word, a very uh, complex recitation of the of the what is largely public knowledge but it again it isn't usually organized in such an in such a concentrated way and um 
and when I about psychoneuroimmunology, and and maybe you could we could start by talking about you could help for our listeners. You could define health psychology. Okay, well that's an easy thing to do because recent advances in technology allow us to peer into thoughts, behaviors, and emotional states, and then track their effects on the body. And so health psychology helps us take advantage of the methods that have been clinically proven to enhance our health. In fact, some of these methods are so well documented that even insurers, who of course their interest is at the bottom line, to adopt uh, actual behavioral medicine codes for the reimbursement of these new methods. So it's exciting that, and this has just happened in the last five years, so it's exciting that we've seen so much evidence that these methods can actually be effective and reduce health care costs. And that must, of course, inspire the insurance companies, exactly as you say. Um, the I guess one of the things our, our listeners are probably going to say to us, uh, or say to themselves, perhaps, and this is, I was talking to Gabor Matei the other day, and we, 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 this, I, I think I posed the same question to him. I said, why has it happened that these, these uh, techniques, technologies, these practices are, again, still so radically new from the point of view of, of the, the regular practice of medicine? And, he's, and, he's, and, and uh, Gabor Matei's response was, well, there's no, there's no way to make anybody any money with it. And so it doesn't it doesn't have any traction in in, in the capitalist commercial world basically. So, but you're saying that the good news is that even the capitalists are getting a hold of this stuff because they're looking at it as being having the potential of saving the money. Exactly, and I love Gabor Mate. I just think his book, When the Body Says No, is a work of art. Is so, absolutely. And truly, what he says is true. But we are seeing a, the beginning of a shift in the last few years with insurers recognizing the potential, but there's still a lag. And the reasons may be well due to what he describes, because traditionally in physician CME programming or um, continuing medical education programming, the focus has often been on what you're going to write a prescription for. Or what's billable. Yeah, and these methods actually take a bit of time to teach. Mm -hmm. So we're still looking at not only some uptime in the form of practitioner education, but also in providing it to patients at medical centers. Now, isn't that isn't that a good bit of your work uh, going from place to place? And when you do that, is it, aren't you you're carrying this you're carrying this water? Aren't you uh, in medical education? I, I'm looking at your schedule, uh, at least around the, the east, anyway. Yeah, the exciting thing is that I have been um, asked to present for physicians continuing medical education programming, and the response has been. Enormous Physicians are often astonished at the level of evidence that we have now. Mm -hmm. And then we're also fortunate that here in Atlanta and New England and other places that medical centers 
are now asking someone like myself to come on staff or come inside and actually educate patients about these methods free of charge. Mm. And now you've done, I guess you did training at Harvard and probably some teaching as well, and, and you've done, uh, like I say, the, throughout the East Coast. Um, and, of course, you recognize our own group out here, Commonweal, and, and, and some of their work. Group. I mean, Rachel, Naomi, Remen, and Michael Lerner, right. they're heroes of mine. Well, and, and probably, well, they should be. They, they certainly have carried this water a long time and yeah. done, done a nice job with it. The, so that we do have these things available to us. These things are really part of our, they're not, if not part of, part of our everyday existence, they're, they're, close, they're close enough at hand so our listeners here in Sonoma, our listeners one way or another, they can, they can plug into this. And, of course, you do have a website. You might want to give your website, by the way, Brenda. Okay. It's my name, brendastockdale.com. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of resources there if folks could take advantage of. And you can, they, they can go there and they can listen to some, what they call some audio tapes, some yes. stress-busting audios and something, yeah. and, and all these different things. So um, now you yourself had a life-threatening illness, and how you found your way to the work you're doing had something to do with that. Do you want to say a word or two about that? Oh, I'd be happy to. Fortunately, folks like Rachel Naomi Remen, Michael Lerner, and others we've spoken of have paved the way. So when I was diagnosed at the Mayo Clinic, and the only options were medications that would, it was systemic lupus, and it was just Plaquenil and steroids. And my physician there, Dr. Scott Purcellin, was in favor of allowing me a short period of time to seek expert guidance and apply these methods in my own life or, or attempt to apply these methods in my own life. And so I enrolled in a program called Getting Well, and at the time, it was the most comprehensive psychoneuroimmunology program in the nation. And along with Bernie Siegel, of course, exceptional cancer patients and all the great literature that was appearing on the scene, I was able to learn some of the skills that would help me take control of my immune system. Well. Brenda, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying talking to you so much. I'm not going to let you go. I'm just, we're going to take a little break, and we're going to come back, and we're going to struggle with this racket. And uh, so please stay with us, and uh, we'll be back with you here at Health Matters. Dr. Ned Hoke talking to Brenda Stockdale about her book, You Can Beat the Odds. We love it, and we'll be back with you in just a moment. If we can get this to work. Hmm. That's interesting. We're having all kinds of all kinds of technical problems today. Even our even our break period here doesn't seem to be there it comes. If your nonprofit group would like to have your announcements, if your nonprofit group would like to have your announcements, your nonprofit group would like to have your announcements. If your nonprofit group would like to have your announcements, your nonprofit group would like to have your announcements. Well, that didn't work very well either. We're just doing great today. So, oh well. Oh well. Oh well. Well, um, 
Now, now some of them, just to get right into some hard spaces here, um, for the people who are, are um, you know, not so verbal and who are not necessarily drawn to this kind of literature world, maybe you could start right away and, and give us a sample of how this work is applied to people who are not like you and me who are word junkies and uh, people who also have maybe a certain kind of education and a certain kind of need even really but but at the same time they have the need but they don't they don't have this this particular you know background of tools or whatever we could call what whatever it is we have let's let's give this a sample or a, a, a sense of a kind of person that you worked with and somebody like I say who's less in the verbal area and less less well educated or less privileged really even in one way or another whether it's sometimes I wonder if it's privileged but um, do you see where I'm going? If, if I may I think what you're really saying is you know what if you're just not a big reader and pursuing this line of thought right and it's a good question because there is no one right way to heal as you know and while there are principles at play, it's a highly individualized uh, dynamic. For example, fascination and purpose are actually two states that influence the behavior of our natural killer cells, which is, of course, an essential component of our immune system. But what fascinates each of us is different. And the way we construct meaning and purpose in our lives varies from person to person. So when we work um, or present to a group of individuals, we're really talking about something they can take home and apply to their unique life. And an example of that might be I was referred um, to work with a woman who had cardiomyopathy. And she really needed a pacemaker, and the idea of it was rather terrifying. She was having a lot of anxiety, et cetera. And as we worked together, we focused on some of the psychophysiological techniques, biofeedback, diaphragmatic breathing, et cetera. And she was able to reduce her anxiety, but there was no crossover effect. She still needed that pacemaker. And she was at peace with that. But in one of that, that last session, she happened to say something. And I asked her, well, what room in the house are you spending the most time in the evenings? And she said, well, it was the living room where she and her husband played cards or games, watched TV and read. And it just so happened, as she described the room to me, on either side of the television were two urns one of his mother and one for hers. And needless to say, she found a new home for the urns and she doesn't need a pacemaker anymore. So sometimes it's not necessarily anything complicated, but a relatively simple and subtle adjustment such as something in our environment. Mm -hmm. Bearing this out, is a Harvard study where elderly people were exposed to fleeting messages linking positive traits to the aging process, such as wisdom or experience. And the results 
in physical stamina, measurable results in strength and physical stamina were the equivalent of what would be seen in a 12-week exercise program. Just huge. Isn't that wonderful? Yes. Yeah, so sometimes it's just that small change in our environment mm-hmm. that can make this huge difference. Mm-hmm. And I think, again, that's one of those pieces that the people who come into my office suffering would never think of that if they hadn't, if they wouldn't, oftentimes wouldn't, would tend never to think of it because oftentimes people, when they have, particularly if they have profound suffering, they be, their world shrinks really around them and then, and then they live ever more deeply in their suffering. And so the creativity that it takes to reach out and to find the small thing, possibly, hopefully even, that might make the difference isn't available be, simply because of the, sh- the the contraction that the person's attention has, even if they know all that they might know. Uh, so the, the the business of being able to help people discover those little pieces comes with the kind of uh, my experience anyway comes with the 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 kind of programs that people like you offer, which then take people through methodically through a series of of behaviors that are as as appropriate as possible to their particular environment and their particular situation and, and desires and 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 willingness and so on, and little by little you can peel back and you can find places where these benefits can be found, yeah. you know, and that's a wonderful thing. And of course, that's again again one of those things where. Modern medicine, that's, that's, that's an eight-minute visit, if you will, or a 12-minute visit, what have you, that doesn't take the time, uh, can't take the time, because their, their business model is not set up around that, that modus operandi. And, that's right. You know, so, it's, uh, so we really do have this moment. And, of course, I've, I've, I, I haven't had a chance to visit with you before, but I'm sort of trying to start a website called yeswecanhealthcare.org. I just, I just love the idea of... Yes, we can, of course, if, when they came up again with uh, Mr. Obama. But when I, so much of what I see is that there is a, there is a problem with not knowing that we can. <laughs> and, and, that, and, if we, and healthcare is a lot about that and lots, a lot about what you write about. So I have every intention of doing as much as I can to take advantage of your work in, in, uh, in this developing project that I have. But coming, coming back, again, coming back to your book and this six-week program, maybe you could kind of give us a quick outline. And by the way, you're, you're now, to me, to my ear, all your goobly gobbles went away. <laughs> and now I hear you clear as a bell, and our, our signal is cleaned up, and we're, we're, we're singing along here. So oh, that's great. I'm glad we stayed we stayed on board here. So, okay, so you've got this six-week program. And I, I'm sure you've, a thousand times you've talked about it in, in a synopsis form. But I think, I guess I wanted to give our listeners a chance to just taste your synopsis, if you would. Well, I think the most important place to begin is to get our biochemistry on our side. Okay. Whether, no matter what level of crisis we're facing, whether it's a health challenge or a poor economy, a child who's struggling in school, or it could be lipstick on his collar. It really gives us a vantage point to reprioritize our lives. And when we do that, and when we can pause, we can then begin to make a shift and choose a frame of reference that's in our best interest. But that is almost impossible if our brain is being flooded by stress hormones, or we're in fight or flight. 
And unfortunately for most of us in our culture, we've become habituated to high levels of stress hormones and may not even recognize that we're stewing in our own juices, so to speak. It's part of our everyday food, and we, if we don't have it, then we go get another cup of it. <laughs> exactly. Right. And so we, it, it's, a, it's a spiral, and we don't even recognize many times that something as simple as our breathing can catapult us into fight or flight. Mm-hmm. And I was just recently interviewed along with Dr. Andrew Weil for last month's, an article appearing in last month's issue of Oprah Magazine. Oh, wonderful. We were each asked, what's the one thing you can do mm-hmm. to help your health? And we both answered, breathe, breathe. correctly. Well, Andy, Andy in, his, in his breathing, I give it to people all the time. It's, it, exactly. And in Chinese medicine, we, 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 we call it hyperdiaphragm, but really what it is, it's also a, a shutdown between the 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 gradient pressure of the chest cavity and the abdominal cavity, which then creates a, 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 a sense of fear in the body. So the body's living with a feeling of ongoing fear because of there's this pressure gradient difference and, and there's this lack of this mobility of the diaphragmatic membrane. So it's, um, but exactly as you say, breathe. Oh, well said. <laughs> and right. so often we'll start there mm-hmm. so that if a person can give up their spanks, you know, it hasn't been that long since we were in whalebone corsets and girdles oh. and our culture's fascination with the military posture hasn't done a lot for us. And tight jeans. Uh, exactly, holding right. in our stomach. Tight and jeans. so if we can begin to breathe diaphragmatically, this healthy pattern of breathing, the way we breathe when we're sleeping, um, and breathe that way during the day, we can then get our biochemistry on our side that supports creative problem solving and supports our ability to choose a frame of reference that will support us in that crisis. Mm-hmm. So we begin there with practical measures of really restoring our biochemistry. And from there, we can expand and begin to take advantage of things we do in everyday life that we're that are skills that we may not have thought of that we have innately that can translate into a real physical benefit. Mm-hmm. And one of those examples would be just the way we use our imagination. You know, we think about what we're going to have for lunch. You know, we imagine you know tuna salad or turkey on rye <laughs> or what we're going to wear that day. But how are we thinking about our health care? How do we feel about our doctor or the nutritional supplements we're taking? And how are we visualizing or imaging those healing modalities? And because the way our imagination works, if you just close your eyes and imagine a vacation you took recently, if you're hearing the sound, for example, of the waves crashing on the shore if you're at the beach, it stimulates the auditory cortex. If you're visualizing the scene, it's the visual cortex. And, of course, if you're imagining how the sand feels under your feet, it stimulates the sensory cortex, and all of these communicate with the limbic system, which then sends a chemical message throughout every cell, every tissue, every nerve, every fiber of your being, so that the reality, your chemical reality, is indistinguishable from the actual event. So we can use this for good or for bad, you know, when we're catastrophizing or imagining something terrible happening, or we're imagining that we really are feeling good. I had a patient come in, uh, a client actually, who's in great health, 
and you know I just see her every now and then for um, what I call just for fun. And she came in after my book came out, thumping my book, and said, "Well, thanks a lot." And I said, "What?" And she said, "For for talking to me, for not talking to me about imagery and visualization, because I just read this chapter, and you never mentioned this to me for my eye." And I couldn't remember what was wrong with her. I, would, I didn't even remember we'd talked about it. But it turns out she had had a virus in her eye, lost a lot of vision due to scar tissue. And she said, you know, I'm going to go ahead and use this technique. And she came back three months later, and over 80% of her vision had been restored. Mm-hmm. And her Emory ophthalmologist drew a picture of where the scar tissue had been and where it was, and her vision's now twenty thirty. Praise and the Lord. She's 59, and, you know, I would have never even thought of using this for scar tissue. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I have to hand it to the people who read these, um, who read this and figure out different ways to use it in their lives. They're mm-hmm. the real teachers here, right. you know? We may have the science, and we may have, you know, some studies about how this may work, but it's the, I think it's the folks who are using it in their everyday life that show us what to make of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and I guess also for our listeners who don't have a life-threatening illness, for, for instance, that they don't have cancer or some you know, really catastrophic health situation, this, this still has a substantial role, potential substantial, substantial role in their, um, and again, not even, even beyond the maintenance of their well-being. In fact, you, you, write, you write convincingly about the idea of creating a, a healthy and, and satisfying life, and as as the kind of the goal of all of this, and exactly. and and I think that the 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 direction for creating a, a healthy and satisfying life, while it's it's spoken of in a in a uh, uh, repetitious kind of way, even Bill Gates said they have a thing about everybody should have a chance and so on, but in terms of the the how tos and the wherefores of actually what that is. Uh, because after all, there's there's a uh, there there is a lot of people, or there's a lot of uh, people who might say to you that uh, that you're just cherry picking the sort of the perennial wisdoms and and combining that with the humanistic social sciences and avoiding evil, sin, and the harsh justice of an uncaring world. Mm. You know, and and uh, how how do you respond to those people? I think what's exciting is we have evidence now for maybe what has been seen as conventional wisdom. Mm-hmm. And it's really bringing it home and laying it out with science. And because we live in a hurry and worry kind of world, I think we need hard and fast evidence to give ourselves permission to perhaps savor the moment or to design a life that suits us. Perfect. And because people don't want, we don't want to innately consider our own mortality. And so if we are healthy and we're living a vital life, we may ignore some of that conventional wisdom. Mm. But then if we really see the evidence of what it could potentially do for us in enriching our life and upgrading the quality of our lives, then we may be more inclined to give it a second chance. We can, we can operationalize the perennial wisdom. Yeah, and so we know when we think about it, I, I always mention in our, in our groups, you know, there could be a cure for whatever tomorrow. It and, I've got, and I've got to stop you there because okay. we need, need to take a little break if we can get this to work. Uh, sure. we're, we're, we're getting better, so we're, we're making <laughs> progress. We're listening to Brenda Stockdale. We're talking about her book, You Can Beat the Odds, The Surprising Factors Behind Chronic Illness and cancer. We'll be back with her in just a moment. 
And we're still supposed to be getting this to work here, and it doesn't seem to want to do it. So we're going to let that shine right on, and we're going to come right back because we seem to be... We solved the phone problem, but we haven't solved the public service announcement problem. So we're back. So here we go. Um, so we were kind of taking overview of the six weeks, and... Uh, there's some pretty meaty stuff here. Um, some of the stuff, uh, for instance, the immune power in, in Chapter 7, uh, maybe that for our listeners who maybe haven't been acquainted with that, that particular group of facts, maybe you could talk a little bit about that. Well, I think that what makes this chapter particularly compelling is a large-scale watershed study by the CDC. And in this investigation the largest of its kind, linking stress in early childhood with disease in adulthood, it was found that more than all other traditional risk factors, the way we were treated as children or these childhood experiences were predictive of health in adulthood. And rather than being a dire story, as we might think, I think that the outcome of this study really speaks to the fact that we can heal the past in the present. And this speaks to the larger application of this work. It's not just about physical illness, but it's about emotional and mental healing as well. Well, healing the past in the present sounds like a, a, just a tremendous magic. You know, and you would, it, it, it really, this study just blows me away. The physicians, uh, the lead authors of the study were very generous with their time. Mm -hmm. And to make a long story short, in this, um, once this investigation was completed and some of the initial results were publicized, a company on the New York Stock Exchange specializing in neural net analysis and wishing to break into the medical field offered as a gift a two-year follow-up on 120,000 individuals who had taken this questionnaire called the Adverse Childhood Experience Questionnaire along with a comprehensive health exam. And here are the results. There was a 35% drop in doctor's office visits, an 11% drop in ER visits, and a 3% drop in hospitalizations compared to the year before. So, of course, I asked Dr. Folletti, what did he believe accounted for these astonishing results? And his words are, he said, that's hard to answer definitively, but I can tell you what all of us associated with this work believe. We were asking, and people were telling us the worst secrets of their lives, and they were still accepted as human beings. And so this new story developed, a new narrative about the events of our lives and what they really mean and how we play that out. And when that happens, there it's a potent immunological and genetic modifier. We actually can stimulate healing genes and uh, in, in a rather dramatic fashion when we reframe and rewrite, so to speak, the uh, the crises of our lives. And also, as we learned in the Gestalt movement that I was part of 40 years ago, we 
we, when there's a there's a way of psychologically doing it so that you take different roles in the drama and you can see the you can you can learn the, the point of view of others in the situation when when you're when you're small as a child you don't have a frame of reference you don't have any way of being other than sort of the the hot spot of 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 your feelings at any given moment at least i didn't anyway as a child and and i'm i'm sure that's true of many children and so when you get a chance to run it anew and you get a chance to relive it in a way that that talks about your feelings that opens up your your part of the you can see the larger role that that it had with the other forces that were beyond your mother your parents the school the the bully the the person that didn't like you or whatever it was you can see you can see a bigger frame and uh I, one of the things that was most inspiring to me in my entire life was to look look at people do that week after week because i i got a chance to live there and be around that psychology environment and it was truly transformative to watch what people could become when they could speak their truth when they could open up their hearts when they could tell the most frightening scary things that they'd ever experienced and so exactly as you say here in the in a primary care context uh we're no longer in the uh, uh you know the rarefied air of a profound psychological experience, but here, this this has been for me. It's been translated down into I don't say down, but across the way into the primary care environment, which is what you've been able to do or been able to document anyway. And we, go ahead. Yes, I, I I echo that with some of the most exciting things right now happening in neuroscience with functional MRIs mm -hmm. documenting exactly what you're saying. Mm -hmm that we can really retrain our brain. And some of these um, studies actually show that the amygdala, the organ that you're referring to that regulates all this, you know, fear, um, there are actual structural changes that occur in the amygdala with some of this training. Mm -hmm. So it's really exciting to think what we can do neurologically and regenerating the brain um, while we're really empowering ourselves to improve our lives. Well, and I wanted to mention that on your book, page 161, you can also take the questionnaire for the, for the ACE test. It's uh, listed as the, at the CDC site, cdc.gov forward slash ncdphp forward slash ACE forward slash. There's a link to it on my website, oh, so good. that can make it a little easier. Oh, good. Yes. Oh, good. Brendastockdale.com. So yes, yes, yes. Well, I, that was obviously a better choice. So... Um, now, in Chinese medicine, which I'm more part of than than what you're doing directly, of course, we have the the Chinese have the seven emotions and the and the six pernicious influences. And so, back two thousand years or five thousand years, even the Chinese were talking about the the influence of sorrow, grief, fear, joy, and how these different emotions, anger, uh, how these different emotions then uh, reference certain. Um, organ systems, and when they said organ systems, they really meant the action of the organ, not just the organ as an isolated event, but the action of the organ in the full, uh, the full body expression, if you will. And so one of the magics that I've learned over the years in various trainings in this Chinese way is that the Chinese had this, they developed a sensitivity toward seeing the, the influences and the, the, the consequence of long-term fear, long-term anger, long-term they even say that there's excessive joy. There can be that can also be damaging, and so on. And they had a way of responding to that in in in, in a Chinese medicine context. To uh, and one of the things that surprises a lot of people is is that they they feel so much better 
when they've had um, uh, reasonable care in that area, and they they sort of blow it off a lot of times thinking of it as just sort of an endorphin reaction. But interestingly enough, it really is much more lettered than that, and it's there's so there's there's quite a lot of people that have been working on this problem for a very long time, mm-hmm. and this this modern way that you're part of, which I honor completely. At the same time, it is built upon things that are really truly ancient, and and of course one of those things is the perennial wisdom and things like the the world of Chinese medicine and, and religious teachings and so on. So uh, we have just a few more minutes, um, and I wanted to not miss out on something that I've now lost track of. So I'm going to go find it here in just a second. Um, And while you're looking, I'm really appreciative of you mentioning that fact, because there's a lot of misconceptions. Pop psychology has picked up on, fortunately, and presented in to the, you know, we now have as part of the everyday lexicon these ideas that we're talking about psychoneuroimmunology and mind-body medicine. But there's um, some oversimplification because people walk around believing that they can't afford the luxury of a negative thought or that there are, um, they can't allow themselves to experience any sadness or anger or fear that it's somehow harmful. And I think what you're saying is important because it's important to experience the full range of human emotions, just not get stuck in any particular one. Well, to, quote, to quote you, you're saying emotions are, are, necessary, uh, see, are, necessary, are necessary information, is what you write. Yes. Right, right, exactly, yeah. Just like you're saying, and so we're just not trying to get stuck in a particular state, but that if we're sad, we're not letting it go to resentment, if we're... Our, our, Actually, should say if we're angry, it's not going to resentment. If we're sad, it's not turning into despair. But we're processing it. Let's let's talk about how you give people guidance to learn if, if they if they are feel like they're in an, in an socially emotionally constrained environment. Now, one of the things you talk about, of course, is the writing cure, and you might want to say a word or two about that. But also, given that patients, you know, they they have every they have everyday lives with everyday families and the challenge of living in an environment where your emotional of uh, presence is, is is constrained in various ways how, how do you help people address the feelings of that they don't have room to live whoops i'm actually i'm hearing some i'm other, able to hear you right now i'm not sure if you i'm can hearing hear some what o- i'm hearing, hearing some other line, noises let's see what's uh, i don't know what's happening at my end i'm here. actually hearing another conversation i'm not sure how there's a lot of bleed through there's a lot of problems here in this world can you hear me not at all i don't know what the problem is it's actually in another language so <laughs> is another language how exciting uh, let me let me go look at something i'll be right back Okay, can you hear me now? I should say, can I hear you now? Hello? We're, we're, we're back. Hello? Okay, I'm still hearing someone. Uh, I don't know. We've got... I, was, I went over to the studio next, right in back of me here, and I turned off everything I thought I could turn off, but... Let me see. Let me listen here a little bit more. Hang, hang on for just one more minute. We're almost done, but still, 
Let me see. Let me take one more minute, please. Hold on. Well, it's been, a, it's been a day of technical challenges. That's all I can say. Okay, now I can hear you. Oh, splendid. <laughs> well, we're, we're, we're fighting our way to the end here. So um, you've, you've uh, now tell us, tell us a, a little bit about how okay, else. I'm hearing this other person again. I am too. I'm going to have to tell them just not to stop talking. Hold on. Okay. So presumably they're going to be leaving, and then we'll be able to not have to deal with it. Hold on one second. Anyway, um, I lost my thread here, but um, well, I guess one, one for our for our listeners' benefit, you've laid out a, a body of information here, and. Just for their reference, I mean, they can probably go to your website and get some more information in terms of other people that have kind of covered this topic. Do you have any particular, maybe one or two pieces of advice for people who might want to, is there a place they can go online to listen to more about this? Is, are there some references that immediately come to mind that, that would enable them before buying this book or before taking, you know, really in, in deeply engaging the topic as you do here? Is, is there a starter set somewhere? Well, in, on my website, there's a list of recommended resources. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, the good thing about that we've done with the book is we've made it very simple so that each week of the program builds on the next. Mm-hmm. And what they're able to do in each week, there's more handouts, so to speak, or information that you could use for that particular week. So then you can go back at the end of the six weeks and kind of a couple of months later revisit where you are and actually deepen a particular skill or method. Mm-hmm. In the meantime, on the website, there's something called Autogenics, and it's just five minutes, and folks can download it for free um, on their you know, iPhone or you know, a computer or whatever they're using. Right. And it uses a technology of sound called psychoacoustics. Mm-hmm. So they're hearing one beat in one ear, another beat in the other ear, and the brain forms this binaural beat or phantom beat. And they can follow those instructions on the CD, and then in a very short period of time, they won't need the download or the CD or the you know, audio at all. They'll have integrated this skill. And it's something that everyone can do. It's just five minutes, and folks can begin to reduce stress hormones throughout the day and then their sleep becomes more restorative, and people feel better very quickly. So there's a couple, there's several of those that they can download, but I would start with the autogenics because it's short and it's easy, and the results are really good. Well, Brenda, it's been a delight to have you. We're sorry for all of our technical glitches here, but it's been delightful. We hope to have you. To get the opportunity to talk with you again down the road. Absolutely. This has been a pleasure for me, and I'll look forward to getting to know you better, Dr. Hoke. I appreciate that. Thanks so much. Good day Thank to you, you now. Bye. Well, there we go. 
you cannot pacify your spirit, let your mind be complicated with desires and worries, your disease will not be cured. To be healthy, you must avoid anger and worry, but keep your mind happy, your heart at ease, and your desires at low levels. That's the guidance of the Yellow Emperor's Classic of Internal Medicine, the basic book of Chinese medicine. Thanks for tuning in again. We'll look for you again next week.